Hello, and welcome to the Television Spotlight on the Comic Book Page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, we'll be having a spoiler-filled discussion about a television show that we think you'll enjoy. In this episode, I am joined by my sister Kay, and we are going to have a spoiler-filled discussion on the first and only season of Firefly. Uh, We just finished watching that. We're going to record this, and then we're going to watch Serenity, the movie that continues it and concludes it, because nothing else has come after it. We'll do that in another segment. But I wanted to talk about the TV show as it was. This is by Joss Whedon, and it ran in 2002? That sounds right. Sounds right. 15 years ago, we've just watched it. And this was after Buffy, Angel... I'm trying to think where, like, Dollhouse was, if this was... I think that was after this. But this is a sci-fi show. It's set on a, a spaceship, Serenity. Firefly, Firefly-class ship. Man, that's a tongue twister. And it is about its crew of initially five people in the the couple of passengers they take on board that pretty much become crew later uh, for a total of nine characters and it's regarded as something of a cult classic although you know depending how you define that term and stuff I'm not sure if that's the best description but there's a very loyal fan base for this show because it not only was just brilliantly done with an excellent cast it came out of the gate pretty much fully formed even though the initial pilot, uh, which was called Serenity, not to be confused with the later movie Serenity, that two-hour uh, thing was shown later in the run initially because uh, the network that had it, Fox, which just has a history of not knowing how to deal with sci-fi, particularly at that time, wanted something a little more action-adventure, so they wanted a different pilot, and that was the train job. Yeah. So the fact that it hits a couple of the same story beats, I mean, that's why. But even in both of those two uh, episodes, or the the two-parter of Serenity, uh, the TV episodes, the pilot, and the the hour of uh, the train job, in those three hours, which, I mean, that's a fifth of the show right there, so much is set up, and the characters are acting the way they act throughout, and a lot of the catchphrases and memorable lines are there. I was going to say, Firefly is probably one of the most quotable and quote worthy shows i've ever watched it is but one of the things i do want to point out before we get too far into this is if you look at the first half season of star trek the next generation deep space nine any of the trek shows even uh stargate and some other shows they often start out good but what they are at the end Mm -hmm. is radically different yeah because the characters have grown, evolved, etc. Mm-hmm. It takes a while for the actors to become comfortable in the characters enough that the writers can then start feeding off of that, writing that into the character. And it really, they kind of almost blur together in some cases. Yeah. Well, this show started with unique voices mm-hmm. for the characters. And in that two-parter serenity, one of the things that I kept kind of calling out to you as we were watching it was... They just did an awesome job of showing us, not telling us, a relationship or something really important for the audience to know. Well, and it gets to when we're later in the season, there was one or two exchanges, which was really just a look or two back and forth. 
that you can very clearly tell, at least in my mind, I got something communicated out of that, whether you got the same thing or not. I think if this show had gone for multiple seasons, the characters would have grown, they would have evolved, they probably would have changed. Mm -hmm. Certainly the relationships would have. But they came out fully formed, unlike particularly first season of Next Generation, where the the interaction between the characters, the look of the characters, the way they acted, particularly with the counselor, with Data, with Riker, with Worf, it takes a, a while before they become what we would think of as those characters. Yeah. Whereas here again, from the get-go, Jane is Jane. Yeah. Uh, Mal is Mal, etc. And, okay, 15 hours of, of TV, a two-hour movie after that or whatever, there's only so much that they could deviate from that to a degree. But the fact is they came out solid and formed, even if it takes us a while to discover them and get their backstory or whatnot. But it, from the very beginning, we've got curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Mm-hmm. You know, when we find out how Jane joined the ship, mm. it's through a betrayal of the people he had been working for in the Ariel episode. You know how far you can trust him and why you can trust him because that is a core aspect of his character. Yeah. That we get from the beginning. It's it's played on in Ariel. It's played on in Out of Gas. It's played on later in stuff. Um, and that solidity of character. I think a lot of people would say, okay, you've got the 15 episodes and a movie after that. There wasn't time for them to deviate. And that's true, but the difference isn't that the deviation, it's how you look at many pilot episodes or first half seasons or whatever. And I say half seasons because a lot of shows go for 20. This only yeah. went for 13 episodes or 15, uh, if you count the, the pilot as two. Um, a lot of shows start out with the characters there, but you don't really get enough to know about them to figure out which way they're going to go or whatever. Mm -hmm. And like the relationship between Wash, the pilot, and Zoe, the, the second in, de facto second in command, is, I think, solid throughout. I think it was best explored probably in two episodes. The first being when they have to drop uh, off at a, an alliance station to get medical aid. And they're all being, or no, actually when they drop the Reaver off. Mm -hmm. um, they, they get medical, or getting the, the Reaver looked at or whatever. They're all getting questioned by the base commander, uh, Doug Savant from 90210. Yes. No, from Melrose, Melrose Place. Melrose Place. Um, and she's like, yeah, we're very private people. Cut to Wash. Oh, yeah, it's her legs. You know, and just how open he is, how forthcoming, how talkative he is, and just what complete opposites those two are. Yeah. Which is why they work as a couple. And then later in the season, when they have to, when Wash goes on a mission in place of Zoe mm -hmm. um, and, and gets captured by Niska and stuff, again, we get a lot of, of their relationship in that as, uh, episode. Yeah. So there's uncovering, there's discovery, but there's not, wait a sec, that doesn't match with what we saw here. Wow, they seem to go in a different direction with the character. They, there wasn't a finding and discovery of the character by the writers or the actors that I think typically happens with most shows. And I don't know what Joss Whedon did to make that kind of happen. I think he had one heck of a well-developed series Bible going in. I would love to see the series Bible for this show. And one of the things that I think would be an awesome uh, uh, bit for them to do, Book, the shepherd, the, mm. the religious man, is always carrying his Bible or whatever. Mm. Imagine if they had something 
that was in that form, but was basically the scripts, the Bible, the scripts for the movie, some behind-the-scenes stuff and narration of this is how we developed it, uh, little bits from each of the actors and stuff, something that is literally the Bible and the gospel, if you will, of this universe. Yeah. Fans would snap that up. Yeah. And rightfully so, because it's... It's a fully formed universe. With an amazing sense of humor. Oh, yeah. And sensibility. There's always talk about how Star Trek is the wagon train in the skies or whatever. This is so much both a Western and a science fiction show. Well, and the joke when it came out was they wanted this to be the tiny little ship that the Enterprise would have blown by. Yeah. And I think they achieved that. This is the rural western part of the u.s while star trek was focusing on the big city new yorkers yeah that sort of equivalent city folk versus country folk and everything from the look of the ship which has um almost a vaguely horse-like shape to it particularly the way the cockpit kind of cranes up at the the front the moving of, of cargo uh aspect of it um the mule. The mule. I mean, the physicality of it. Yeah. The attire is very Western, um, down to the, the, the look of the guns. Yeah. The rifles, the the long coats, and it's got a very distinctive visual aspect to it that has, again, that high-tech aspect in computer stuff versus, you know, the Western. And each one of the characters of the Nine has a distinctive voice look mannerism attitude uh, attire mm-hmm. you know everything that there's no confusing you know kind of which of the two characters it is yeah and i love that about the show it's something that again came out so fully formed and was so true to itself during its short run that it's a we need more well, and they had i want to say sort of somewhere between speech patterns and styles for the characters, Book spoke in a different fashion than Mal. Mm-hmm. You know, Mal would take it as a kindness. And Mal had just these very distinctive expressions he used and stuff, which was very different from how Inara spoke. Well, with Mal, he wanted to seem educated and learned versus Simon, who was. Yes. And Jane, who just didn't care. Yeah. And Shepard, whose backstory is never fully given. Yeah. And the fact that you could take, I'm not going to say every line of dialogue, but many, and just by the the nature of the dialogue, have a good sense of which character said it. Yeah. Uh, and often a context of how they said it. Was it ironically? Was it Was it not? Yeah. It's the, the fact that those characters, I mean, again, with a, a crew of nine, there's a lot of voices to be had. Mm-hmm. You you look at a standard Trek episode, and I use Star Trek as a comparison point because I think a lot of people are familiar with it. It's an easy comparison to make, but the show is so radically different from it. Well, but it's also had so many episodes yeah. through the various franchises. Well, and the number of franchises alone. Yeah, so odds of exposure are higher. Yeah, you take any random episode of Star Trek from almost any of the uh, the se- the series. And pick a random line of dialogue from somewhere in the middle of, of one of the middle segments or something. And you read that, and could you tell which series it was, 
which character it was or what kind of context it was, and let's, for the sake of argument, eliminate aliens and guest stars. If it's one of the main characters, yeah. you know, could you tell the difference between a line given by uh, Tom Paris of Voyager, um, Jordy Balana? Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of some others. Well, you know what I mean? Now, uh, Denise Crosby, who played Tasha Yar, will tell you that there was a simple way to identify her lines of dialogue. Hailing frequencies open? Yes. Would that have differentiated her from Uhura? No. But she will tell you that that was the majority of her lines of dialogue. Whereas most of Wash's lines have a certain sensibility and cadence to them. I love the bit, and it's one of the things that, you know, fans even have the the tiny dinosaurs he Mm -hmm. plays with at the uh, pilot's console are one of the toys that got sold as a, hey, this is for fans of the show but i love his live dialogue where it's kind of the i have time to kill but i have to be in the cockpit so he's playing with the dinosaurs and he's like and we shall settle this land we shall call this land and he's pausing this land yes it's like he's trying to be woody and failing yes and alan tudyk the delivery yes for wash i love also at one point when when we first in the first meet uh, Saffron, mm-hmm. and you know uh, it's going from he's talking with his wife Zoe, and it's a matter of when did this not become funny? How did this become my fault? Kind of, yes. and it goes from we're not laughing about it to how did I get in trouble for this? Yes, yes. And his ability to spin on that kind of a thing, yeah. Um, again, uh, the cast on this. Well, I love in uh, Janestown when Wash just kind of pipes up with, I want to go to the crappy town where I'm a hero. Yeah. There were, the quotability of this is, of course, insane, but the cast, uh, Alan Tudyk does a phenomenal job as Wash throughout. Yes. Uh, Nathan Fillion is, is the lead. He plays Captain uh, Mal Reynolds, who is... I'm trying to think what's the best way to describe him. He's the pirate captain who cares about every member of his crew, even the crew members who are likely to get the ship captured and in trouble. He's a good man forced to do bad things. He's yeah. a thief, but an honorable thief. Yeah. And he's it's, it's that quandary that makes him fascinating. Again, he's very Western cowboy. Yeah. He would be the reluctant sheriff. Yeah. The one who has to pick up the badge when the the real one's gotten killed. Yeah. Um. But it's the it's the guy who realizes that the bounty and the warrant for arrest is out on two people who don't deserve to be arrested. So instead of turning them in, he's sheltering them. Yeah, he's a complex individual, one who used to believe heavily in God, as we see in the pilot, uh, and now God's not welcome on his ship. Yeah. So he's gone through some tough times, and we've seen bits and pieces of some of that. Yeah. But he will do what's right. I mean, in the train job, mm. they steal this stuff, realize it's medicine, and that this town really needs it. I was going to say, that's that's the turning point, too. Not just that it's medicine, but that it's critically needed medicine that will not be replaced. And they try to sneak it back to the edge of town and not get caught, and the sheriff's there, and the guy's like, you know... Most people in these times take a job, maybe not to ask too many questions, which Mal had already pretty much told him they're looking for work or whatever. And, you know, the, the sheriff follows it up. with, But then when they, they realize they've, they've got to make a decision and Mal's response is, 
I don't think there is a decision to be made. Yeah. Just well, kind of a we it's one thing to in his mind to rob, it's another thing to rob from those who can't afford to be robbed from. Yes. You know, there's there's a gray area for for Mal. Yeah. But there's a clear no, this is wrong, this is right and Yeah. You know, he he wants to be able to look at himself in the mirror every day. Well, it's it's one thing to take water from a well that's bottomless. And replenishing itself. Taking water from an ocean is one thing. Yes. Taking it from a well of a dry town. Yes. You know, that's in a drought or whatever. Yeah. Not going to happen. Yeah. You know, he's he's yeah. got a very clear moral compass. Yeah. Um, and again, the the vocabulary, the, the cadence of his speech, um, he's just fun. Yeah. He's got a, a cleverness to him, a wit about him, but not too much so. Yeah. The marriage between Zoe and Wash is hilarious. You know, the, they're very clearly a happy couple, despite all the bickering, the arguing. Um, I think they are a balanced couple, despite the... They are, but they're very much a yin and yang couple. Yes, yes. They're, they're very opposite with aspects of each other that, that work well together. Yeah, but I loved when uh, Mal and Wash were arguing... And Wash is yelling at him, you know, she promised me love, honor, obey. And Mal interrupts with obey. She said that? Well, no, not so much. But she obeys you. <laughs> yes. It was one of the funniest arguments of the show because he just turned the argument to what he really wanted to be arguing about. Well, and that was one where Nathan Fillion and Alec Tudyk, the back and forth the timing, the uh, yes, the delivery on some of that stuff was just fantastic to watch. The way they pulled off that torture scene, and I'm not one for torture scenes, but it was very much, uh, I mean, we hear about uh, the Aussies who in Vietnam had the buddy system to get them through the POW mm -hmm. camps. And that was very much what this was. Yeah. And it was very much mal-realized. Wash needed someone to emotionally carry him through the torture. These two could do a very interesting buddy cop comedy film. Yes. I don't know what personalities I would give their cops, but it would be hilarious to watch. Yeah. All right, so we've talked uh, uh, Wash, we've talked Zoe, we've talked Mal. Mm -hmm. um, other member of the crew, uh, Jane, we talked a little about that. That's uh, Adam Baldwin. Mm -hmm. who has since gone on to do Chuck mm -hmm. and is currently on The Last Ship. Yeah, and Last Ship, talk about such a different character from yeah, what he is complete here. complete upright uh, uh, naval officer. Yeah. Whereas here, he is pretty much almost dumb as a post. Uh, mercenary. Mercenary. You, he will, if you pay him more, he will turn. Yeah. He's yeah. a very simple kind of a guy, into guns, and mm -hmm. doesn't think too hard. Yeah. But is fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Well, and I mean, Mal knows that Jane can be turned, but the the point where Mal lost patience with Jane on Ariel was Jane reached out to the Feds. It wasn't that the Feds realized yes that they should reach out to Jane. He Jane turned on the crew. Yeah. Not somebody turned Jane against the crew. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a, that, a that distinction. That was a betrayal that, yeah. Yeah. 
It's something if the show were to have continued, they would have butted heads a little bit more, but it would have gotten to the point where I think Jane's character would have had to have been either not softened a little bit, he would have to realize he's got it pretty good. Yeah. You know, if if he watches these people's backs, they will watch his. Yeah. And that he's an he got incredibly lucky to, to get into the situation he was in. I think what they would have needed to do either in the back half of a first season or early in a second season was have a job go wrong and he's the one that doesn't make it out and they come back for him. I, I That would help, but I think the other thing that would be funny and would work better would be for them to have a job that goes wrong and he's the one that salvages it. I think that that would improve his relationship with the crew. But I think you're right. That's a second step after the yeah. first. He's got to realize that it's worth doing. But I think it'd be funny for him to. It's like oh, you know, I don't, I don't know how to go pick the lock, crack the computer, do anything fancy or whatever. And that would be humorous. But I think in terms of character growth, he would need to be left behind for whatever reason, and kind of be convinced after all that he's done. They're just going to leave him behind like he left the guy behind in Canton. Well, if he thinks that they've essentially been, I don't want to say bought off, sold out, but were he in their shoes, he'd have left. And therefore, and when they do, he understands it. Yeah. I think they would have needed to do that episode. Yeah. Much like they kind of did with Simon and, and River. If you guys left, you came back. Why did you do that? That would have to happen for Jane. Mm-hmm. But I think after that, getting it to where he saves the crew when they would have expected him to have turned on them yeah. would kind of almost complete that and he becomes that full trusted member. Yeah. Um, Watching that character's arc over a couple of seasons I think would have been fun. Yeah. Because there would always be the, he is still who he is. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, but he was- softening him and integrating him a little more into the... He was always going to be the shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah. And, well, like in uh, the Mrs. Reynolds episode, you know, putting the gun into the space suit and then opening the airlock door to shoot mm-hmm. at the net, electric net, electronic net, that's going to capture and disable the ship. Yeah. That was something that was very much a, okay, this is why we have Jane on board. Because he can't see the sight on the gun that's buried inside the suit but he can feel his gun and he knows his gun and he can take that shot yeah and he's been told not to needlessly kill the people manning the net station and he's actually gonna do as the captain says he may damage the station that was the one where he takes a couple of shots at the he doesn't get it on the first try. He doesn't get it, but he took at least five or six shots. Yeah. At least three of which hit the window of the uh, the compartment that people are in that gets them blown out into space. I thought he killed them intentionally. I thought it was accidental because he couldn't sight. It felt like he was aiming and then shifted, but I have to go check. Interesting. Okay. It would be fun, though, if a few seasons later they got to the point where it's like, clearly, let's go blow this up. And he's like, you know, there's another option. Yes. And they're like, who are you and what have you done with Jane, kind of. I mean, yeah. there's room for him to grow in a couple of different directions. We, it was kind of funny when he was going on about, you know, this is a girl thing, that's a girl thing, and River shoots back and Jane's a girl's name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> the other uh, crew member is uh, Kaylee, who's the mm-hmm. mechanic. Yes. And that's uh, Jewel State, 
mm-hmm. played the character. This was not her first time on a space show. True. She had done space cases mm-hmm. many years prior. Um, after this, she did Stargate Atlantis. Yes. Um, she's worked pretty steadily, I think, mm-hmm. for many years and stuff. She's Vancouver-based and likes being Vancouver-based. Yeah, a lot of her things, I think, are Canadian shows. Mm-hmm. Well, she has said in interviews that she knows she could get more work if she didn't prefer being Vancouver-based. And she's acknowledged, if I would go further afield for work, but I I want to live with my husband. I want to raise my kid in Vancouver. I Gotta respect that. She yeah. doesn't want to do the travel and stuff. Um and is willing to, to kind of, you know, yeah. miss some opportunities. Uh, it's fortunate she got this. She did a fantastic job with it. I think this was a really good role for her at the right time. In terms of she was kind of the right age to play that that balance of just really naturally inclined with the engine, but not necessarily brilliant on the people skills. She's a young prodigy coming of age from a backwater planet who's just naturally gifted with, with mm-hmm. machines and, and spaceships and such. Just like some people are good at, you know, working on cars or, or whatever. And very wholesome, sunny, bright outlook on life. Always sees the bright side of things. Yeah. Um, I'd say optimism is her superpower. Yeah. And it's fun because when she's interacting with other people... She's she's always good natured, always looking for the positive or whatever, and sometimes gives some people, particularly Simon, uh, a bit of a chance to to say the right thing. And when it doesn't happen, yeah, it's like come on, yeah. And there are a couple of times things are going good for her, and somebody gets in the middle of it and kills the moment or something. Well, and there was one point where Simon came close to saying what he wanted to say and saying the right thing and just phrased it so poorly with kind of a, in my eyes, you're the only woman in the universe, but he accidentally phrased it as a, well, it's not like I got any other options. Yeah, you're you're the only only choice. Yes. Not the only choice I would make, but the only choice available to make. The only single woman available on the ship, so you know. We'll get to, to Simon in a minute. Uh, going down the passengers, though, um, Book the Shepherd, mm. uh, who was played by Ron Glass, mm. uh, who since passed away. He's been in television since like the 70s. He was on Barney Miller, a bunch of stuff. Fabulous choice for, for yeah. the role. He's playing somebody with a mysterious past, possibly in the government or alliance, probably, and a bit of a dark background because he seems incredibly well versed on criminal activity or whatnot yeah towards the end we get the implication he may have done interrogations mm-hmm. well uh we get that inter- uh, implication because he knew what niska was thinking but he, just him knowing of niska no no i mean uh, it, uh in the bounty hunter episode when river is doing her little i get a glimpse oh, of yeah, what yeah. people are thinking i don't care if you're interested or not where does that he, leave you yeah yeah there were hidden depths to the character that much was clear mm-hmm he knew how to fight. He knew how to handle a weapon. He could recognize wounds from particular weapons. Yeah. but None he, of which a guy, you know, a, a missionary from an abbey should know. Yeah. But he was on his own personal path looking for redemption. Mm-hmm. And that was part of what made that ca- that character fascinating was 
it wasn't just that he was looking after himself, because that's the wrong way to phrase it, but... I took it as when he gets picked up and goes on to Serenity, he's coming out of the Abbey that he'd been there for some time. Mm -hmm. Something happened that sent him to the Abbey. He'd reached a breaking point of something, and he realized he needed to redeem himself in some fashion. And the Abbey had seemed like the right choice, but the Abbey hadn't been the right place to be. And he was looking for the right place. And as he boarded Serenity, he was saying things along the lines of, I don't think this is the right place. He was leaving the Abbey, getting ready to go back into the world, having doubts that he'd made the right choice. Mm -hmm. But I think those kind of went away. Yeah, they went. It was a gradual process that they went away. And one of the really interesting things in the Serenity two-parter that just occurred to me was the number of times people addressed him as either grandfather or grandpa. Mm-hmm. And he corrected them, never married, never had children. To me, that was very telling about the nature of this society and this universe. People, it was again, the old West. If you didn't grow up, have kids, get married and all that kind of a thing or whatever order you'd want to do that in, um, that's just not the way it's done. So the fact he was never married, he had to point out because it was an anomaly. See, to me it was that, but I think it was also a way to make us aware by the end of what we saw, he found a family. Yes, absolutely. I enjoyed his character, but I will admit he is probably the most frustrating character for me in this series because there are so many unanswered questions about him Mm. Yeah, that I would have liked to have seen where the show went in revealing his backstory you know, his ident card got him immediate medical p- privileges and stuff and with the Alliance. How come? What's up with that? And got them release. Yeah. It was kind of a something's important here. This knowledge he has that you wouldn't have expected from a, a, a shepherd, a, you know, reverend, a minister, that sort mm-hmm. of religious folk or whatever. Why not? And also the having book having found God and stuff, Mal having lost God, uh, seeing where that would have played out would have been fun. Yeah. And not getting all of that frustrates me. I would have enjoyed an episode where River reached the point that she replaced his Bible. Yes. At one point, she tries to go through and fix it. The other two characters that are are key are the Tams, uh, Simon and River. We didn't talk Inara. Oh, Inara, you're right. Yeah, she's one that's that's not crew and not a passenger. Yeah. She's a companion, and in this world, uh, the world's oldest professional is is the most honored profession. Yeah. They have a guild, a union. And it is not like being a celebrity, but it's um, it, it has high social status. Yeah. Highly respectable. Which is interesting, and... If you're having a, if you have an invitation to a grand gala and want to have a highly respected person on your arm and don't have an appropriate date in your community, you can hire a companion. Well, you can try to hire a companion. True, true. They're very selective. Yes. So it's not just pay the money, Yeah. get the escort. And they can blackball you from all companions if you do wrong. Again, there's a, a status there that's yeah. very unusual. And they go through academies. They're trained. They have health checks. They've got yeah. uh, seduction skills. They they are trained in, in all sorts of, of formal society aspects. 
You know, it's funny because as you were saying that, I was thinking that this kind of ties into Saffron, who oh, clearly absolutely. has had this training. And she's an excellent con artist because she's had companion training. Well, I think she was set up as kind of the opposite number. What if an Inara went wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Inara and Mal are attracted to each other, but in denial of that. Yeah. And there's kind of a, a, a tension there or whatever. Mm-hmm. And a lot of verbal sparring back and forth. Yeah. And the nature of, of her having renting out one of the two shuttles or whatever, and it's kind of her area on Mal's ship mm-hmm. is is kind of interesting. Um, and there's, again, a distinct look that her character has mm-hmm. with kind of the, I don't want to say the more formal attire. It is a bit more formal and more exotic. Yeah, exotic is a good way to put it. It's almost, I don't say a Chinese or Asian in nature. I would describe it that way, but it's also got, I mean, it's the floor length skirts. It's the long shawls. It's very different than the jumpsuits and the sundresses and the uh, the riding pants and things the other women it's were wearing. It's radically different than what the other women wear. Yeah. And Miranda Baccarin is a beautiful lady mm. as are all the others on the, yeah. the cast but she gets to show it and flaunt it a little a lot more yeah because uh jewel state is kaylee is in the jumpsuit suits uh is wearing more um conservative i guess would be the way to put it yeah whereas zoe with um an almost more militant almost kind of a look a sexy but militant yeah. kind of a look yeah you know the leather vest uh yeah. And things like that. And then the loose flowing dresses and stuff that, that River wears. Mm-hmm. Um, but Marina Baccarin has also, since this, been in Stargate, V, Homeland, Gotham, mm-hmm. uh, maybe one or two other things. Uh, Deadpool the movie. Yeah. So has, has done quite a bit of work. Does a fantastic job here. Yeah. Um, and has that cultured, refined aspect. Yeah. Well, and in Train Job, they really play up the, because she has status, she can get them out of trouble. Yeah, there's an aspect where being a companion isn't quite like being royalty, but kind of, sort of. It's almost a quasi-celeb, not celebrity status. She's she's not quite the equivalent of an aristocrat or nobility, but she's, you know... She's accepted as one of the one percenters. So when she comes charging into the police station saying, my indentured servant ran off, give him back. Mm-hmm. They say, well, that explains why we thought he was lying. They don't ask for paperwork. They don't ask for confirmation. They're high enough in society that they are just believed. And yeah. It's not that they're not questioned. No. But, but they have the status. But they sound more believable. With what they're saying, because they have that authoritative. I was going to say, there's an authority and status aspect yeah. to being a companion. Mm-hmm. And that's how to, part of why she's on the ship, is she was able to convince Mel she brings a certain mm-hmm. aspect of that. Of, of um, I'm trying to think what was the word she used. Not notoriety, not credibility, but um, prestige or whatever. Mm. So she did a great job. Um, and then the Tams, there's Simon and River. Uh, Simon is a doctor, highly educated from one of the rich planets in the core, 
who in the pilot is one of the passengers on Serenity with this cargo crate. And this cargo crate, they wind out in the pilot discovering has River, his younger sister, whom the Alliance had taken, experimented on, and she is just not right in the head. Yeah, he, he could have been a more protective older brother. He was a protective older brother. <laughs> it was her decisions that led to her getting in trouble and getting uh, experimented on. He risked everything to save her, says the older brother to the younger sister co-host. <laughs> um, but uh, Sean Mayer uh, did, I think, a really good job as Simon Tam. He did, yeah. He was... Uh, flummoxed when he should have been flummoxed socially mm. he was in his element as a doctor mm-hmm. uh he played the uh upper i don't say upper crust but yeah upper crust upbringing mm-hmm. without being rude condescending or whatever it's he means everything with the best of intentions but he just can't relate to some people yeah he he's got a different background yeah which is again part of the fun between him and kaylee yeah you know, she's from a backwater planet. He's from high society. Mm-hmm. You know, he looks down on things that she looks up on because of that difference. Yeah. Which causes a lot of kind of consternation between the two. And then Summer Glau, who played River, uh, she was... She does a 18 little... at the time? Yeah, sounds right. She does a little too good a job of playing crazy. She's very gifted at playing crazy. <laughs> uh, she's done that sort of, of not quite right on a few other shows. I think after this, she was on the unit for a bit. Yes. Playing kind of a lovesick yeah. uh, person Stalker. there. Stalker there. She's been on uh, Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles as a, a Terminator robot. A good one. Yes. But an emotionless character. And I'm trying to think what else. Also a very action-based character. True. True. Uh, so she's done quite a bit. And the body language she uses mm. just sets River apart. Mm-hmm. Sometimes she's very graceful. Sometimes she's just almost, I don't say floating or whatever, but like there's one time in the last episode where she's listening to the people on the top deck from the bottom deck and she's standing on the two railings or whatever, kind of, you know, listening up, leaning up or not leaning up, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I would be worried doing that just balance wise. That seems like a little awkward kind of a thing, but she's doing it. Yeah. It's like, how did she get up there? You know, kind yeah. of. She's a dancer. Uh, yeah, a dancer, very fluid movements. And in the episode when they had to rescue uh, Mal from, from Niska, and she, uh, Kaylee's gotten pinned down, he's scared, doesn't know what to do, has kind of dropped her gun, because Kaylee's never been in a fireflight. River kind of walks up with a, oh, what's going on, almost obliviousness. Mm-hmm. Before she picks up the gun, ducks out, sees the, the three guys, picks up the gun, oh, can't look, can't look, bang, bang, bang. No, can't look, can't look. And she's taking the guys down. Yeah. You know, and she plays it as naive, not naive, but childlike, not wanting to hurt one, knowing people she's got to hurt, knowing she's going to and got to kill these people Mm -hmm. or whatever, not wanting to be there as she does it. Yeah. And just throughout the the series, her ability to play crazy followed by not crazy followed by she's saying things that she shouldn't know. Yeah. And particularly when she's playing the mind games on Jubal early at the oh, end. Oh, yes. I, you know, I've melted into the ship type thing. Yeah. She's got him going. Yeah. And there were enough things earlier in the season where she's kind of playing with, with Jane's mind and a few other people of, you know, believability to all of that. 
Well, and when she's playing with early, Simon is hilarious on the uh, bridge. Well, there's kind of a finally she's targeting somebody else. (laughs) Yes, yes. The interplay between uh, Summer Glau and and, um, uh, Sean Mayer, uh, fantastic. Yeah. They did a lot of scenes together where she's just in a state of frenzy. He's trying to calm her down because she's just been experimental on, but he's got to get her into the med bay to, to give mm. her some something, some medication or whatever for this. Yeah. And I've got to imagine those were not necessarily easy, trivial scenes to film. Yeah. But they play so well. Well, and they do a good job of the, she's having a problem articulating herself in mm. general and what she's thinking. And he is working at following her words, her train of thought, whatever hints she's giving. So in the episode where Jane has told them, you guys got to stay in the cabin because mm-hmm. uh, Saffron's on board. When Jane leaves and River is saying just minimal sentences, afraid. I know you're afraid. No, Jane. What do you mean Jane's afraid now? Since Ariel. And that is how Simon is putting together, wait a sec. Yeah. What happened on Ariel may not have happened the way I thought it happened. Well, I forget if it was that episode or one of the other ones where they're in their room or his room in the uh, the guest quarters. Because apparently hers is across the hall. And she's been on different medications because Simon's still trying to fix everything and get that right. And she's like, oh, yeah, I was not feeling well. The- the, the apples were coming up or whatever sort of a thing. And yes. Finally admits, I, I threw up on your bed. He's like, yep, there's my sister. <laughs> yes. You know, and th- the the way those play was just. Well, and when he says that, she just gives this little smile. Of, yeah. Uh, she's like, yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, it's fun because each of these characters is is so different from one another. That you're not going to confuse, wait, was it Zoe who did that? Was it was it Anara? Was it, you know, Kaylee? Was it River? Yeah. Was it Book? Was it Jane? Was it Wash? Was it Mal? Was it Simon? You know, there are certain lines that just couldn't come from most of those characters. Yeah, yeah. There are a couple like, wait, say that again sort of a thing, sure, whatever. But the... Well, there were some scenes that are just so funny, and yet I can't imagine... Other shows trying a scene like that, even though it's funny and... There's an almost flippant attitude to the series that I think was best done when Mal is fencing with another guy. And he's doing okay at the beginning. And Anara and the guy they're about to do business with are talking and they're like, oh my god, he thinks he's doing all right. The other guy is toying with him. Yeah. It's like, yes, you know, kind of a thing. But, you know, he basically miraculously winds up winning and he's he's got the guy down. He's got the saber. He's like, oh, the mark of a great man is, you know, mercy. Stabs the guy. <laughs> yes. I'm just a good man. Stabs him again. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm all right. Yes. You know, kind of, you would not have gotten that in like a Star Trek show or most other shows. Yeah. They don't have those kinds of, I don't want to say flawed heroes. Well, one of the scenes that I was thinking of that most shows wouldn't feel comfortable trying is when River realizes that she tore pages out of Book's symbol, his Bible, and now they turned into paper. 
so she wants to return his paper to him. And she goes to his uh, room, and he opens the door, and she runs away screaming. Now, Shepard Book, the entire series thus far, has always had his, his hair kind of tied back into a small ponytail. Yeah. He's been washing his face or whatever. The, the hair is untied. He looks like almost Albert Einstein with the hair just frizzed out or whatever. And she runs away screaming, too much hair, too much hair, or whatever. She explains that later, actually, whatever. Yes. And as she's coming down, Zoe's coming the other way. And like, what did you say, preacher man, or whatever? And then she gets a look at him. Yes. And she's like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the look later when they cut back, the look on Zoe's face, she's sitting on the stairs next to one of the smugglers' cubby holes. And you realize River is hiding in the cubby hole, refusing to come out. Well, and that's one that was set up back and again in the pilot. Yes, yes. And Book isn't putting his hair back. And, of course, Zoe is trying not to just die laughing during all of this. It's like, we got to take this seriously. He's like, he's putting the hair away. And Book's like, what? Oh, all right. <laughs> well, at first, Book's like, it's because of my religious order. I'm not supposed to cut my hair. And she's like, he's putting it away. He's like, no, I'm not. She says, he's putting it away. Again, there's an interplay, a, a I don't want to say a lightheartedness, but a sense of humor that comes from the situation. Yes. The attitude of the people in the situation. Mm -hmm. And there's never kind of a mocking of... It's not like they were making fun of religious orders that have people not cut their hair. No, it was bad hair days. It was bad hair days. It's the ramifications of that. It's... You know, and the other thing is there was the episode where, again, she's been correcting the Bible or whatever. Yes. Near the end, he comes to talk to her. Yes. And she's right, and I think she was still fixing stuff. Yes. And she's just not looking at it. It's like, keep walking, preacher man. Yep. You know, it's like, I'm not dealing with the hair. Go. <laughs> yes. Well, it's funny because we've mentioned in the past when we record that I have long hair. I have had more than one doctor when they examine me for the first time. They come up to me from the front. Mm -hmm. We start the doctor's appointment. Everything is going fine. When they go around behind me to listen to my lungs, all of a sudden I hear, <gasps> You have long hair. When we say you have long hair, <laughs> Carrie Russell back in the Felicity days had uh, shorter length hair. Yes. But it was big, frizzy hair. If she had had it pulled back tight into a, 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 pony, a braided ponytail behind her, yeah. you tend to have yours in a braided ponytail. Yes. It's not frizzy or whatever, but yeah. it's something that from the front, it doesn't look like you have long hair. No. My hair's down to my knees, though. Yeah. So my hair shocks people when they discover, oh my god, you have hair. Yeah. It's, they, they do fun stuff with aspects of the character the, uh, on the show, the, mm -hmm. the way they dress, the way they act. And there's always moments to mm. be had. Yes. But there's a through line on the story. Mm -hmm. Even in the 15 uh, episodes, if you count the, the pilot as two, characters come back. Mm -hmm. Badger's in there twice. Niska's in there twice. Mm -hmm. um, Saffron's in there twice. There are a couple others that had the show continued, I'm certain we would have seen later. Yeah. Uh, when we see Saffron the second time, her then husband, Monty or whatever, I figured we would have seen him again. Yeah. Regular p person they do business with. Mm -hmm. He's the type that would show up once, twice a season, I think. 
Yeah. Same with Badger and a few others. I think over the course of a couple of seasons, we'd have gotten to know a lot of the main powers that be on the different planets and moons. They were definitely building a universe. Yeah. They were giving us planets to know, places to know. Um, Persephone, lots of places were were named, clearly identified. The verse felt real. Mm-hmm. But it's not just that we knew the places. Unlike, I mean, a Star Trek show, Vulcan, Klingon, yeah. Romulus, they're a couple you go back to all the time or whatever. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, every society, you see the once and never again. Mm-hmm. Here, we've been back to Persephone or whatever where Badger was. It's like, oh, there are people we want to avoid here. Yeah. You know, particularly when you've got a crew like this that's operating on the, the, the edge of the law. Well, talking about the wanting to avoid... I mean, we've said before, I hate the episodes where we start with dramatic moment and then we say X number of hours ago. And they did one of those episodes. And the only reason I enjoyed it was it allowed them to do the flashbacks. They did two of those episodes. Out of Gas, which is the one we liked, and then there was Trash, the second one with Saffron, where they started and then 72 hours later led back up to. that's true. But what's funny with Out of Gas is they'd already set the scene for that. If there's this nothing part that yeah. needs to get replaced, doesn't it blows? So we start with, with Mal falling down with the part having to go put it back. Mm-hmm. And we flash back to what's leading up to all of that that day. Mm-hmm. And keep flashing back to the first time we meet the various crew members. Yeah. yeah. Which is how we meet the original mechanic. Yes. Who's well, somebody I would have liked to have seen a yeah. season or two later show up what was interesting about the one where he's putting the part in and stuff is because he's been shot and he's injured and he's stumbling all over the ship the flashbacks made sense yes there's a certain his life is flashing before his eyes before he dies yeah he's very disoriented and yeah yeah so that episode really worked for me well, it was good. It was also, I think, much needed to get a sense of how did Jane get on board. Mm-hmm. What was it like when, when Wash was first, you know, uh, yeah. interacting with this group? Um, it gave many, I don't want to say origin stories. Yeah, but that is a good way to put it. But background context that we needed. Yeah. You know, likewise, when the, the dead body gets mailed mm-hmm. to the captain and Zoe, mm-hmm. and it's one of their former war story, uh, war buddies or whatever, it, to me, that implied, had the show continued uh, two, three times a season, we would get a flashback to a war story sort of a thing. Yeah. And some of that could have simply been, they have a framing sequence as they're doing a long haul type stuff, and the captain's just telling the story to the crew or whatever. Yeah. You know? Because um, if they did that, they would have had the, oh, this guy was a lot like you, and have, you know, Alan Tudyk play one of the war guys. Different character, but... Yeah. You know, kind of, or at least step in for key moments or whatever. It's like, no, that's what you would have said. He actually said this. Yeah. There are ways they could have done that as the equivalent of a ship uh, or a clip show, bottle show kind of a thing. Yeah. Where, you know, all you need is is the, the foxhole they're in or whatever to tell half the story. Um, there's It was a rich concept for a lot of things they could do for, moving forward. And I liked how there was a solid through line on the plot from... They pick up the passengers, they do the train job, oh, we've got to do this, this leads to that, to that. Oh, there are ramifications, you know, we we deal with this guy, he's not happy later. Well, and I liked 
the the passengers gradually becoming crew, if that well, makes sense. The fact that of the four passengers they pick up, three of them have no particular destination. Hmm. The fourth, of course, being an alliance agent that they wind up killing because uh, he was going after uh, River Simon. and Simon. Yeah. Um, the death toll on some of the episodes. Yeah. Again, it's it's got the Western aspect. They had a great line. I think it was Mal uh, telling Shepard when he offered to take up arms and help them do something. And it's, Shepard, I'm pretty sure your Bible has something to say about killing. And They're going to rescue Mal. Was that when it was? And he's like, yes, but it's a, it's a bit more vague on kneecapping. Yes. Yes. I loved it. And again, it shows that he he is a man book is a man of religion but that's not his background yeah yeah he was the one handing the guns to the others he knew how to handle this stuff yeah there was also an aspect of when he when book and jane would be doing kind of the weightlifting stuff that for whatever reason made me wonder if book had spent time in prison you know i was thinking that too or military or you know what i mean something no, it it did have kind of the um, the prison yard gym feel to it. The only two characters we ever saw doing that, yeah, were Jane and uh, and Book. But it was one of the few things that kind of made sense for them to do together. Mm-hmm. It was a good bonding activity for them. I would imagine in the series Bible that there was a section. I mean, I've seen various other shows, Bibles and stuff, and there's, you know, a write-up of each character, but I would imagine in this one, for each character, there's a, this is how this character interacts with that one. Mm-hmm. And one of the writing exercises a lot of books on writing recommend is, okay, you've got a group of characters that are going to interact. Um, character A, what does they think? For each character you've got, A through whatever, put them on the, 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 a column and then put them on the rows. And then for each cell that kind of intersects, A, how does A view A? Yeah. Well, this is what they think of themselves. Yeah. You know, how does A view B? How does Mal see himself? How does he see Wash? How does he see Mm -hmm. Simon? How does Simon see Mal? How does Simon see Simon? Yeah. You know, and understand those relationships. Mm -hmm. And I think there would also be times where you almost need to take that another level of, this is how this character interacts with this other character, except when this person's involved. Yeah. This skews it somehow. And that seemed to have been thought through yeah. with Firefly. And one of the comments I saw, and I completely believe uh, from the IMDb page, is how between takes and stuff, instead of essentially going and hiding in the trailers, they would hang out in the common areas of the ship. Yeah. Because they built the ship on... I guess two sound stages, one for the bottom, one for the top. Nice. Where you could do some shooting on one with somebody doing shooting on the other and stuff. But it gave a contiguousness of the ship. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the crew or the cast felt comfortable just kind of hanging out with each other. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many, well, I don't think I need to tell you how many conventions we've been to with Alan Tudyk or some of these others where they're talking about, yeah, you know, we get together and get on the Xbox and play games or whatever exactly. to this day. Exactly. And when we saw this cast at San Diego yeah, when Serenity was being filmed, yeah, the interplay between them yeah, 
they are friends. They enjoy one another's company. Yeah. There's a back and forth between the actors that is reminiscent of the characters. Yeah. But it takes a different form. It's not like they're in character on stage. No, but they come across as people who had spent Monday through Friday together. Here they were, quote, having to work together on Saturday, but still wanting to spend more time together. They work together, but they'd hang out together. Yeah. There was a comment that was made, I think, on that panel in San Diego, where the question was kind of, who's most like their character, who's least like kind of a deal. Mm -hmm. And I guess it was Adam Baldwin who had kind of chimed in with one of the things he always teases um, Marina Baccarin about is smart can play stupid easier than stupid can play smart. (laughs) (laughs) Not implying that she's an idiot, but that her character is really intelligent more so than maybe she is, whereas his is way stupider than he is, you know, kind of a, yeah. But there was a, a, a back and forth on some of that stuff. Well, I think it was the year after Serenity had come out where they had a panel and Joss Whedon was there. I think it may have been the, the while they were filming it. Because they did one that, while they were filming it. There was it, the one about the Wonder Woman question. Yeah. There was the question because Whedon was going to be doing Wonder Woman at the time. Again, yeah. this was 10, 15 years ago. Uh, who would you have cast? And he's like, well, we've got some great people here. Mm-hmm. But Gina Torres, you know being the one he seemed to be alluding to because she was in the running or whatever at the time. And one of the other people stands up and says, yes, would love to do the role. Think I could do it beautifully. It's Nathan Fillion who's doing it. And it's like, watch, I can do the spin. I can. Yes. Yes. <laughs> just the, the, um, the humor aspect. Yeah. Yeah. They play really well together. They do. Yeah. And you look at that group of actors and you've got, at the time, Summer Glau, who's a kid mm. doing this, um, versus Ron Glass, who's been doing it for decades. Yeah. You've got just some people that are naturally very gifted comedians. Mm-hmm. I think both Nathan and, and uh, Alan fall into that category. And you've got some, whether they're gifted comedians or not, are really good at playing the straight man kind of a thing. Yeah. You know, and some that admittedly don't find themselves very funny. I think Jewel State finds, you know, considers herself that way. Interesting. Uh, yeah. She had made some comment of not feeling she was either very witty or very this or very yeah. that or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Gina Torres does an amazing job playing opposite Alan Tudyk. Yes. To me, that's almost a bit of a reversal, if you will, between Felicia Rashad and Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm where Felicia Rashad would have to play kind of the straight man, get the thing back on track as you've got the the person ad-libbing or whatever. I think Gina Torres is is kind of having to do that sort of a thing with, uh, not that Alan Tudyk is necessarily ad-libbing mm-hmm. or whatever, but she, whatever he says, she's got to not laugh at. Exactly, exactly. And well, just the deadpan nature of some of her delivery between what what he's saying, what Nathan's saying. I don't know if you've seen one of the uh, gag reels and outtakes where they were doing one of the scenes where they're laying in bed and it's supposed to be a simple he wakes up and it's kind of a so you want to have sex again type thing. But he decides to wake up with a big snorting snore sound. <laughs> and she couldn't not laugh. <laughs> 
<laughs> She's like, what the? That is not how you launch into. Do you want to have sex again to your wife? Not, not, yeah. Do you wonder why you're single actor, dude? Yeah. They're, uh, they're a fun bunch of, of actors and uh, just a great bunch of characters. Yes. Yeah. And so much of that behind the scenes chemistry mm-hmm. shows up uh, on camera with just the way they they play and interact. Yeah. I mean, there's one time, it was the aerial uh, when they're heisting the bank or whatever, or the, the hospital, I mean. Um, and Jane's trying to get the Tams out, is trying to, to knock out a lock. He gets shot through on the other side from Mal. The door opens. Mal's there. They're all looking at each other, and Mal just kind of does a, kind of a shrug and, and, and kind of a nod of the head with a, what's up? Let's go. Yeah, what are you waiting for? We shot the door out for you. It's like, there you are. Come on. Yeah. You know, but the stuff that could be done, again, with that kind of just a couple of gestures, not so many other writers, directors, or whatever would have felt the need to to actually, hey, come on, let's go. Mm-hmm. Put the words in there. Yeah. Burn a few minutes of time or a few seconds of time. They just mm-hmm. weren't needed. Yeah. I also thought one of those sorts of scenes where stuff was conveyed without words was near the end, they're protecting the uh, the uh, prostitutes mm-hmm. or whatever on the planet. Um, the lead one that had been a companion mm-hmm. has been shot and killed. Yes, yes. Anara's over her. It was a friend of Anara's. Anara's yeah, just... and Mal runs up. Mal runs up, looks... At at her, at Anara, it's very clear with the exchange, in my mind, between Mal and Anara of, is she dead? She's dead. Anara is, go kill the person who did this. Yeah. And he's like, okay, they're going to die. You know, kind of a yeah. Um, Western justice. Yeah. Uh, which had happened a few other times in the series. Yeah. And I don't know what Mal's death toll was, but it was not insignificant. Yeah. Uh, he's not like a mass murderer. Most of these people, I think, all had it coming. Um. There was the one guy he kicked into the uh, the <laughs> Serenity jet and kind of splatted that way that I thought was a little excessive, but it made the point and played well. Uh, it was not quite self-preservation, but it, that guy was going to hunt Mal into the ground. Well, yeah, it, he's like, I want to return this money to Niska, give him what's ours or whatever. And the guy's like, yes, I will hunt you to the ends of time or whatever. Okay, negotiations are over. Yeah. The only way to end this, kick, splat. Yeah. And then he starts on the spiel with the next guy, and the next guy is basically recapping it for Mal. I've got it. We'll take the money back. We're good. <laughs> yeah. I would have liked to have had acknowledgement of what happened to that guy. Yes. Yeah. When we saw Niska again. Yeah. Um. But again, some of those are again not scenes you're going to see in other shows. Yeah. And some of this got a little, little bloody, a little gross or whatever. Yeah. Uh, particularly any episode with Niska. Yeah. But not to the point where I'm like just totally grossed out or whatever. The the Niska stuff and the bit with the Reavers kind of pushed the limit. Yeah. But the interplay of the characters, the humor, um, it, it was a, it's, if anyone who has not watched the series and is the least bit of a sci-fi fan, and particularly anyone who would like to see a Western in space, yeah, must watch this show. I didn't originally realize um, Ben Edlund from The Tick was involved. I think I had known that. was never always positive it was that. Uh, but I think of that goes a lot towards a little of the sensibility and the humor. I think so, too. Joss Wheaton, I think, is also a lot of that because oh, there's a ton of humor. Oh, yeah. In Buffy and Angel and stuff like that. Joss Wheaton definitely has a good sense of humor. No denying that. 
my understanding from the IMDb pages is he originally wrote this uh, for Nicholas Brennan, who played uh, Xander. But because Xander was still doing Buffy, which it's like, Joss, how did you not know that? Yeah. And it may have been when Buffy was getting picked up for the two seasons on the other network. Ah, yeah. Um, I can't, because Nathan Fielding did such a great job, Yeah. I can't see uh, Nicholas Brennan as Mal. Yeah. Likewise, uh, even though she was cast and filmed for part of the pilot, uh, Rebecca Gayhart was originally Anara. Mm-hmm. And it's like, nope, not working, let's, let's replace. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few others where I think it would just be hilarious if they did, if, if somebody got together for like an April Fool's joke or whatever. And I think Joss could probably do this. Get a bunch of other actors and put something out for an April 1st of Serenity 2 or, you know, the reboot or whatever. Mm-hmm. Get, uh, Jason Bateman to play Mal. Yes. Get, uh, uh, who's the guy on Frasier who played the brother? Have him play Wash's role. Oh, how funny. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Recast a few. Yeah. Just just to see the fan base go nuts. Yeah. Of course, the way I would end that kind of a trailer would be to, to you know, you now are pulling back, you see the screening room it's in, and you kind of do the 180 kind of as you're pulling back, going around, and you see the cast of Serenity in, in Firefly. Nah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Con Man basically did an episode with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The cast, by and large, has gone on to do a lot of other stuff, which, yeah. again, they're very talented people. A lot of the writers on this uh, have done tons of other work that yeah. everybody's familiar with. The fact that all we got after this was Serenity and not more frustrating, but sci-fi has always been... A rough thing to do as a TV show and mm-hmm. to keep going. Yeah. So one episode runs are not uncommon. Two episodes or two, not one episode. One season runs are not uncommon. Mm-hmm. Two season runs, whatever. Um, do you think it might have run longer if it hadn't been on Fox? Absolutely. If this had been now, whether at the time mm-hmm. other networks or whatnot could have done it for this run or whatever. If this had been up in Canada on Space. Oh yeah, good call. Uh, I think it would have done well. If it had been a space sci-fi kind of co-production, yeah. Um, again, not remembering what was on sci-fi at the time or where sci-fi was at, yeah. But it's something that Fox, particularly at the time, didn't know what they had and how to market it. Yeah. Uh, there was comments on the IMDb page, and I don't know that I ever saw these commercials, but they were playing it up as if it was like some kind of a sitcom or something with oh, a gosh. Like a laugh track and and uh, inappropriate, you know, music for what it was. Yeah. And kind of undercut it and had people thinking, well, wait a sec. And then the showing it out of order. Yes. If you watch this and you haven't seen it before, start with the, the two-part Serenity episodes. Again, not to be confused with Serenity the movie. Um, but then also do enough research on, be it IMDb or if you've got the, the DVD set, the order they put the stuff in is the order it was more or less intended to be in mm-hmm. versus the airing order. Yeah. The airing order is aired, yeah. E-R-R-E-D. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's wrong. And there have yeah. been a few other shows that way. Yeah. They, for whatever reason, to, to placate the network, okay, we'll do this instead and then we'll show the episodes that are really what we wanted to do initially. It's unfortunate. It is, but it happens. 
And this is one where I think the show didn't get the network support it needed. And that's why it only got the season. It took a little bit to get the movie. Mm-hmm. But the movie at least kind of resolved some stuff. Yeah. Not that they left it on a cliffhanger, because I don't think they did. No. But there was more story to be told. Yeah. And I think if at that point it had gone to somewhere where it could have been a series of TV movies or something like that, it would have been better. Um, at this point, it's been a decade or so. Uh, Joss has moved on. Yeah, uh, they all have. I'm not sure they all have. I think you could probably talk... If, if somebody were to to magically have the money and say we are going to do this again as a tv series who's in i think nathan fillion probably would uh, i don't know it's been long enough it's i think there are even odds that many of the actors would at least consider it given if it could work with their schedule i think it's a hard call like enough time as it would out of necessity become a different show yeah they're older characters yeah but i think they seem to have enough fun doing it Mm mm-hmm that they'd be open to it, but it'd be a hard show to go back to after this amount of time. Yeah. And even if you could get all the actors, could you get Joss, the writing crew, yeah. the uh, the wardrobe people, the that stuff? Uh, my understanding is when they redid, when they did Serenity, they had to rebuild the ship because mm-hmm. they hadn't saved the stuff. Oh gosh. And from what I was reading on one of the things, some of the plans they used were provided by Nathan. Oh, how funny. Because he knew this was something special, at least for him personally. Yeah. He took photos of all the pre-production, everything he could get his hands on. Nice. Um, He's the captain of a spaceship on a sci-fi show. He was a kid in a candy store, apparently. Yeah. Um, He was the right guy for the role, too, at the time. It, it yeah. Just did a fantastic job. Um, So if they were to try to go back, could they? could they... Could they recreate it even if they wanted to? Yeah. I don't know. Um, well, as I recall, Firefly filmed in Los Angeles, but Serenity filmed up in Vancouver, which would be part of it also. I think some of it is when they went to go back to find bits and pieces of the set or whatever, they just weren't there to be had. Yeah. So it's not just that they would have had to relocate it, but it was not. Yeah. And to the, the extent of it was a dead enough show that they couldn't find the plans surprises me yeah and disappoints me yeah this is one of those that i think there were easily a good another couple of seasons they could have had that would have been brilliant yeah. um where they would have gone what they would have done don't know uh but would like to know i agree there have been some comics that dark horse has done kind of following on on this but they don't capture the characters the sensibility the delivery the timing the quite the flavor of it uh on on pen and paper or whatever uh, as as on the screen. But I don't think that's the fault of the people doing the comic so much as there's an intangible aspect of the show that until you really watch and get into the universe, uh, you don't realize just how hard it is to replicate that um, both on paper, in novels, whatever other format, or even if they were to try to redo it on TV. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I think if they were to try to do like a, a ground-up reboot of this, finding another group of actors that had the chemistry could could make it play the way it played would be tough i agree and on the one hand i don't want to see that on the other hand i don't know it could be fun um but if they if they ever decide to to kind of reboot and redo it i think we're at least gotta wait another 10 years or something unfortunately get some more distance um get back to where 
a Western space is kind of the right way to go or whatever. And to where it's, it would be completely out of the question for these people to resume their parts. Yeah. So I think it's great. I'm looking forward to watching Serenity. Um, There are parts of the movie I love. There are parts I didn't. But we'll watch that. We'll come back and talk about that. Sounds good. Cool. So we have just finished watching Serenity. Mm -hmm. And uh, as always, love the film. Yes. Certain parts of it, a little dark with the Reavers and stuff like that. But fun story. Very much picks up. I don't want to say right after where the show left off. A little time had elapsed, but not tons. It's funny. There were aspects of it that I remembered so clearly, and there were plot points that I'd just totally forgotten. And it intrigued me what I'd forgotten. Mm-hmm. For me, I remembered quite a bit of it. There were a few, it's like I might have flipped the order of the scenes in my mind. Kind of a, wait, didn't we start at the, the bar fight scene? Oh, no, wait, we got this other stuff first, then we mm-hmm. get to there. And... This is one where I think about two years had elapsed Yeah. Uh, between the show and this, give or take. Um, story-wise, a few months, certainly. Anara's off the ship. She's at a, a companion training thing or wherever. Uh, Book is not only off the ship, but uh, changed the hairstyle and stuff like that a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, not tons and tons of time. A couple of months. Tops. Tops. If... They say that um, River and Simon had been on the ship eight months. It's a stray line of dialogue. Yeah, that's the one I was trying to remember. And that means not a whole lot of time has passed. That's what I was thinking. Long enough for them to have replaced the ATV with the uh, the flying landspeeder yeah. mule thing. And I think we aren't supposed to have noticed that as a change. Because it's called the mule just as they had the mule before. It would have been nice to have gotten a line or two of dialogue if we're still, we just paid that off or something like that. Yeah. Um, this is one where having a movie budget allowed them to have uh, a much more interesting port to land in. Mm. Uh, the Reaver ships and stuff like that were a lot more, I don't say intricate or involved, but there were a lot more of them. It's funny. To me, the, the big space battle, if you will, was like an obstacle course, mm-hmm. which I found entertaining. It was well done because, you know, they've got this Alliance armada waiting for them. They're pretty sure that's going to be the case. So they basically fly through the Reaver uh, armada that they had already snuck through. Hmm. But this time they sneak through it, but have a few, literally a few parting shots as they go to get the Reavers to follow them. Yeah. So the Reavers take on the armada. Mm-hmm. And it was it was well done. A nice dramatic moment. Well, and I thought about later the fact that they played really incredibly fair in terms of, I I don't think it's right to call him the bad guy of the film, but the opposition of the film, if you will, had told them his tactic. Mm -hmm. You know, if you know your person is going to go to ground, you give him no ground to go to. Well, that was part of what I loved when Mal had gotten the Reaver army kind of behind him and, and repurposed them, is he had taken this operative of the Alliance that was, you could argue if he was arrogant or not, the operative was really good. He was really confident. Confident, had the, the resources, etc. And then to basically throw that guy off his game, mm-hmm. um, the way he did, if somebody starts shooting sort of a thing, you know, yeah. panicking. yeah. A feeling that guy probably has has not had in in ages, if ever. Yeah. 
But that's also that's Mal. Well, he's, and he's the wild card. He stripped that guy of his confidence in every sense, and that guy's line from very early in the film is to with every person he approaches and takes down was do you know what your sin is Mm -hmm. and mal without turning the line on him in so many words basically using the guy's own sword binds him forces him to face the truth and in so doing forces him to acknowledge his own sin well and that the operative was on the wrong side of things yeah What's interesting is the operative never really doubted that. He knew he was a monster. Yes. But thought it was for the greater good, and when he realized it wasn't. Yes. Um. Again, he helped, uh, he made sure Serenity got fixed up, all that stuff. He, uh, I'll say paid his dues, but acknowledged kind of the uh, the moral debt. Yeah. Well, and that's a good point, though, that he was willing to be a monster and to sacrifice himself for the greater good. Because he saw that as his noble purpose. Mm -hmm. But when the people he was sacrificing himself for turned out to be using him to commit commit this great crime against all of humanity. It's kind of the ends justify the means, but that end better not need justifying. Yes. And when it did, that threw this guy into, you know, a different mindset or whatever. Yeah. Um, Well, and... He did not go into an emotional crisis. I mean, he needed a moment to think. He had to be asked not once but twice. Yes. You know, so... Do we mow these people down or not sort of thing. Yeah, yeah so it's not that he spun on a dime. He, he did need that moment, but he recognized in that moment that he needed to change course. Mm-hmm. So the operative was a fascinating character in his own right. It's a little unfortunate that the last season of the series had Jubal early. Yes. Because the that bounty hunter and this operative are very different characters. But very similar in a lot of ways. I was mentally drawing a lot of comparisons throughout the whole movie. Two guys in body armor chasing after the Tams. Yeah. Uh, sent, you know, by the Alliance in one way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Very talkative, uh, almost at a philosophical level. And very confident. Yeah. And I think if there'd been a little bit more in between, that would have helped. It didn't hurt. I think both actors did a really good job. Different enough characters, the situation was different enough. Mm -hmm. That helped a lot. And different enough environments. Yes. Which really helped. This movie, I think also, Summer Glau just did an insane job in multiple ways, both in terms of the acting. She was phenomenal in that. The stunts, she did a lot of those herself. She is fight scenes. She is either an amazing actress when it comes to playing crazy or she's crazy. Having never met her or, you know, spent time with her, I'm assuming she's an amazing actress. Because I don't think she's crazy. But there is the question. (laughs) I mean, this is why I want to see her take on a role where she plays... The perfectly sane, perfectly normal girl next door, just so she can let me know that this is her being the awesome actress I think she is. Well, you almost put her into a comedy movie where everyone's thinking she's the crazy one. Yes. She's just about to snap. She'll kill us all. (laughs) And she's just the soccer mom next door. 
I would like to see Summer Glau at a convention doing a panel to get a sense of her personality, her sense of humor. Yeah. I mean, she was on the Serenity panel we saw, but it was a large ensemble panel and she just didn't have much time mm-hmm. to shine through. So, But yeah, one with it's, it's like an hour, hour and a half with her answering questions, telling stories. Yeah. That sort of a thing. I'm, I'm curious what her perspective yeah. on all of this is. It's interesting uh, when you were talking about the action scenes, because I know she dances, because I have that understanding, and because I think she has a very graceful manner to her, mm-hmm. some of her fight scenes to me, look very much like a choreographed dance more than a really kicking fight scene. I think fight choreography is... Difficult? It, well, not only difficult, but there, there's there's very subtle styles to it. Mm. You look at some of the, the major martial artists of past decades, uh, Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan. Both of them do fight scenes, but very different styles and Jackie Chan intentionally different from Bruce Lee. He was one of the ones who had worked with Bruce Lee at one point, you know, mm-hmm. as as a young uh, stunt guy and then when when Bruce Lee passed away and there was a void to be filled, th- who was going to be the next Bruce Lee? Yeah. And Jackie Chan made the decision to be the first Jackie Chan. Yes. So a bit more of a comedic style and that sort of a thing. And you look at, at Bruce Lee where there's a, a economy of motion, a, a very quick, violent kind of, you know, decisive thing, mm-hmm. whereas at times Jackie Chance is almost accidental. So you look at, at River here and how Summer Glau has, again, that fluidity, that, that uh, ballet, that, that almost artistry. Well, and that's the thing I think I was picking up on is at least once... Uh, she has hold of someone else's hand and the arms go up over her head and she does what looks like a dance spin to get into the next position. And mm-hmm. it almost looks like the dancer twirling his partner. If you had taken the the swords or axes or whatever she had in that fight scene and replaced them with like, I don't know, batons or something like that. Yes. You could have a very interesting, you know, kind of a dance. And I'm sure that's part of why she was so good at it. She's got that background. Yeah. And there's a, a aspect of that that kind of goes with the character of it's kind of creepy to see somebody mowing down Reavers as if she's just, you know, doing a ballet recital or something. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You know, in her mind, it may be the most peaceful of things. Yeah. Yeah. And it is. It's very River for it to be. As peaceful as a dance. Yeah. But the she executed on that stuff beautifully. Yeah. The couple of times where she is, you know, perched up in the ceiling or whatever. Yes. You know, uh, she she sells that. Mm-hmm. And whether they did it with trick photography or whatever, I, you know, was fully believing. It's like, yep, she's, she's up there. She's holding on to the sprinkler head. Her feet are wedged out there. Don't know how she got there. Not quite sure how she'll get down, but yeah, it's River. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I thought she did really well. And then when when the mystery of Miranda was revealed, the weight that lifted off that character really kind of spun it in a new direction. Mm -hmm. And this was what would have been essentially the second season. Yeah. They would have built up to it. I think a lot of the people we had seen when they first got to Haven or whatever 
we would have met a time or two over the course of the season. And this would have been near the end of the season. Well, and it's interesting because Jane had grown a little bit. He was, in some respects, more on board with the, we don't leave our crew behind, but River and Simon aren't crew. Jane was a character that stuff clearly happened between where we left off and where we picked up. Mm -hmm. Because I think the Jane of the TV show would not have gone around checking everyone's seatbelts at the table. And yeah, that's part of the... Jane had grown for me. You know, and I liked that, but he was still ready to, to get them off the ship. Yeah. And he was at a point where he was more willing to stand up to Mal. Yes. So there's a story to be had there that no doubt would have been an episode or two in that second season. That mature Jane that, that moved him forward, and I'm mm. curious what those would have been. Yeah. I personally loved the code, for lack of a better expression, in the wave message between Anara and Mal that was how Anara conveyed to Mal that it was a trap. Yes, they didn't fight. <laughs> yes. What I loved is, is the rest of the crew is watching. I think Kaylee came in with popcorn. Yes. Her or Jane, one of the two. Somebody brought in popcorn and then washed through a piece of popcorn at the screen when he got mad at something Mal said. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, it was a good way to bring Anara back into the yes. stuff. Yeah. Um, her and Mal going up against the operative was fun. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they did a lot of really good stuff. Um, and where they left off with those two, with Mal and Anara at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, do you want to leave? It's like, well, I don't know. It's like, that's a good answer. Yeah. You know, because I think they move forward that relationship quite a bit. They do. And when we had first seen this, it was at Comic-Con. Mm. that year they had a screening of it a couple of months before it was released and uh, a friend of ours came with us we had a spare ticket he had not seen the series yeah and a lot of the stuff between mal and anara is a lot of uh, kind of payoff from the series yeah and if you're coming at it cold it's like who is she why do why does mal care what's going on well, you can read into some of it the the context but not the the meaning the movie does not convey her occupation. No. There are a few things that... That hint at it. Hint at it. The uh, the photo or whatever, the moving photo he's got. Mm-hmm. The people walking around at her place. Um, the guy in the, the waste towel thing when we're about to arrive and stuff. But honestly, I mean, she spends more time praying at Buddha. Than anything else. You could have thought it was some sort of religious monastery or whatever. It was funny because when they got to Mr. Universe's place uh, and they're all unloading with the weapons and stuff, she's got something and she's in an outfit that, that could have just as well come off I Dream of Genie. And she's holding something and I'm like, what is this? A rolled up flying carpet? <laughs> it's funny because I thought she was channeling her air Wonder Woman at one point there. Well, when she had... What I refer to as the bowcaster, which is Chewbacca's yes. weapon. <laughs> yes. It's like some kind of bow and arrow-y thing that we never really get a great look at. Uh-huh. Uh, and of course, yeah, she can use it, no problem, whatever. She played a, an important role in the script, but not so essential they couldn't have done it without her sort of thing, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I would say most of the characters fit that way other than really Mal and uh, and River. Yeah. You know, um... It would have been hard to do it without Simon or Kaylee. You needed to have the whole crew there, which was yeah. good. Um, and I'm glad they got everybody back. 
Well, Zoe was used to drive home the we've learned and truly taken hold of the we leave no man behind. There was an aspect of her at the end um, where the, the ship's been fixed back up. They're about to take off and Mal's like, well, how's she holding together? Uh, which is really asking about how are you doing? Wash just died. This mm. has got to be shaking you up. I mean, a little enough time it elapsed to fix the ship. Yeah. Okay. Um, and her stoicness there again, very reminiscent to what we'd been seeing early in the series. Um, and it makes me wonder, okay, who all had she lost during the Battle of Serenity and these other uh, the war and stuff? Um, and just how long does it take for her to kind of I don't say bounce back from that? Yeah. But it, it definitely uh, casts a, a, a light. And it, she could come across as an almost Vulcan character, and clearly mm-hmm. she feels deeply on stuff. Yeah. She just doesn't let it show. Well, one of the things I teased people about like crazy after I first saw the movie was, you know, after the show, I had been saying I would give almost anything to see Zoe in a dress. Well, after the movie, it was I said I would give almost anything (laughs) it was the one time we saw her in something that did not appear to be combat gear yeah yeah and it was an appropriate thing it was it was you know and i loved inara's wardrobe i thought they did a beautiful job Mm -hmm. with inara here capturing just that exotic and different flair for her I'm curious if they had the same wardrobe person for the movie as for the show. It was not Shauna Tropic for the movie. I was going to say, it felt different. It was. I noticed a different name. I don't remember what the name was, but it Um, was a different name. I'd have to get a closer look at, like, Mal's signature shirt and look and stuff, because it it seemed to have funny different clasps this time. Mm -hmm. The doctor almost looked like he was out of a, a Bollywood movie at times. And it wasn't a bad look. All of the stuff worked well. Yeah. And Zoe's uh, leather was different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And part of that is, again, it's been a few years mm-hmm. in terms of production time, not of character time. Yeah. I'd say, actually, that the most similar to what they had in the show was Jane with the uh, crazy yeah. Chinese t-shirts. His look hadn't changed too much. Kaylee's hadn't really changed too much. True. Um, and, and River, for that matter. Different yeah. dress, but the same basic feel. Yeah. One of the things they did early on, which I enjoyed, was a kind of a long, continuous shot as Mal's walking through the ship. Mm. There was one place where they kind of linger on a bulkhead for just a second, and that's kind of as they're shifting from the upstairs to the downstairs, which are on two different sets. Yeah. Or at least were for the show. Apparently, they had not only dismantled the ship and stuff while the show's over, but had managed to, I guess, misplace the blueprints and everything. Yeah, well, you know, Fox canceled the show and scrapped it. So when it came time to, to rebuild everything for the movie, apparently in one of the production movie uh, meetings, according to IMDb, it came out that, yeah, we don't have the blueprints. And, and Nathan's like, hey, I've got them. Because <laughs> he had taken photos of, like, everything he could get his hands on during the production of the, the TV show. Which, everything he has said... Over the years about the show, he is, this was his, like, dream job. Yeah. It was not only a wonderful experience, it's the kind of, he's Captain Kirk, essentially. Yeah, exactly. You know, this sort of a... I think he may be cooler than Captain Kirk. Oh, much, much. Um, 
This is one of the few characters I would consider betting on against Kirk. I mean, Mal is, yeah, Mal is an awesome captain and a very rich and complex character in the best possible ways. I think there is, and who knows, maybe it's already been written, a really interesting piece of fan fiction to be had with the original series Kirk and crew Mm. in the Enterprise having to deal with Serenity and, and Mal. Well, I loved the scene where they, after they had, you know, gone to, I'm forgetting which planet, and it was the Tams were going to leave the ship, mm-hmm. everything's good, they go off to their meeting, and suddenly River goes nuts, courtesy of the Fruity, fruity Odie Bar commercial, and then she's collapsed on the floor, and Mal decides to pick her up and bring her back to the ship. And everybody's saying, why? We were rid of the problem. Well, Jane was saying Jane, that. That's very true. That's very true. I don't think Kaylee was the least bit upset. They weren't upset, but I they were wondering about the situation. I don't think Wash and Zoe were, were surprised. They were commenting on the fact he had finally recognized we don't leave people behind. Yeah. Because before that was when Zoe had been saying, yes, life would be easier without them. But she wasn't actually saying we should let them go. No, absolutely not. She was just trying to get him to think. Well, and it was something that Book had said on the planet of, you know, you may not have a plan, but you have a way. You would He, he knew Mal would not have, have left them. Yeah. That's not the kind of person Mal is. Yeah. And that goes very much in keeping with a lot of what we had seen during the course of the TV show. Yeah. And, you know, there was the one scene in this movie where they go back to Haven. It's been burnt down. Mm. Yeah. Book has just died. And Mal, as far as the rest of the crew are concerned, almost snaps at that point. But it's like, no, no, he's he's talked to the operative. Yeah. And he realizes we've got to find this information. There is no other path. So they, they, again, dress up like Reavers and stuff like that. And he's basically telling the crew, get on board or, or stay here. Yeah. You know, and there was a, a, a hardness and an edge to Mal that we don't see often, but fit perfectly within the character. And I think there was a time or two we saw some of that in the show. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of the, well, particularly when he was about to throw Jane out the air, airlock. Yes. You don't mess with this guy. Yeah. You know, he'll he'll bend a little, but he doesn't break. Yeah. And that's it's part of what makes him such a fun character. Um, and I think it was also really well summed up by Anara in like the second or third to last episode when they've got to go protect her friend's uh, brothel or whatever. And she's like, this is exactly the sort of thing this crew can handle. Hmm. Don't know that they're going to handle it great, but yeah. they can handle it. Yes, yes. You may not like the way they do it, but yeah, um, the, the, the crew has foibles and flaws. But at the end of the day, you know, they, they they persevere or whatever. It's a shame that this is the last live action thing we've seen for mm-hmm. Serenity and Firefly. Uh, Dark Horse has done a number of miniseries over the years, uh, one shot or two here and there, including one that kind of goes into book's backstory, mm. a few things that take place after the movie. Where book ended up here is one of the things that I had managed to forget i think by choice i i think i didn't want to remember how he ended but i so clearly remembered how wash ended well the story behind that my understanding is when they did this they had this movie they had to get 
the actors to sign a multi uh, uh, picture deal. Oh, interesting. Yeah. If this works, yeah, we will do more. Yeah, we will do more. We want to have the actors locked in at the pay rate. Yeah. Because of other things going on, I don't remember if it was Spam a lot or what, but Alan Tudyk had a few other irons mm-hmm. in the fire that were active at the time, and I I don't know what was up with Ron Glass, but neither of the two really wanted to commit. Oh, interesting. And my understanding is anyone that was going to be used in a sequel had to be committed. Mm-hmm. But if the characters die, yeah, exactly. We don't need them to commit. Yeah. And I and maybe it was on the IMDb page where I was reading that Joss Whedon had some way of if they had gotten a sequel and those guys were available and interested, he had a a fan acceptable way to bring them back. Interesting. And there are certain ways that when you write characters out, you can kind of bring them back, and other ways you can't kind of bring them back. Mm-hmm. With Anara having not been written out of the series at the end, the way she was brought back in here made sense. Yeah. You know. Um, if they had decided to do this movie without Shepard, they could have just said, well, he's off in the Abbey or whatever yeah. again. He's, he's gone back to the, cause he spent an episode there on the TV show. Yeah. You know, all off, off screen or whatever. Although I've got to wonder if they had had more episodes that season, if that one would have been followed by his adventure, you know, off ship or something. Um, and there was a little bit of a, a nod to his backstory with... Uh, Mal basically saying, someday you'll have to tell me about all this. He's like, no, I don't. Yes, yes. (laughs) And there was kind of an exchange of looks between the two, which is, I kind of took as Joss Whedon saying, I don't have to tell you everything. Yeah. And he doesn't, but it's like, come on. Yeah. I'd like to know. Um, So I think that's why those two were kind of killed off, and I don't know how they would have brought them back if they had had another movie. Um, Both in my mind's definitively died and were done. Yeah, unless you try and do something that happened between the movie and the series? You could do it as flashbacks. You could do it as something like that. I could see where for book, they could get embroiled in something that really has his backstory unveiled or whatever, and he's, as an actor, used in flashbacks or Or whatever. hologram messages? Or maybe there's a whole little army of these... You know, books as part of, you know, the uh, the Alliance Black program or some such. Uh. In other words, turn him into Nick Fury. Yeah. Wash, that's a harder one to bring back. Yeah. And I do think his death here, you know, even knowing how it had happened and seeing it and waiting for it coming, it took me a, a little bit to, pe- oh, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, they they do the crash landing, they survive that. It it wasn't immediately clear that it was a Reaver kind of harpoon bolt that skewered him. Um, It's funny because I remembered the skewering, but not the, how does he get skewered? I mean, he shouldn't get skewered. It was a shame. It was a shock. Um, Yeah. Again, great character. Yeah. He's a leaf on the wind. Well, he was. Yes. Yes. Still don't know what it means, but he was one. Well, and that was another one where this movie had a number of, of quotable quotes. Oh, gosh. I aim to misbehave. Yes, we're going to encounter some slight turbulence and then explode. Yeah. <laughs> um, And Joss Wheaton just has a, a flair for, for witty dialogue like that, which is yeah. fun. Yeah. And when you've got, again, this kind of cast or crew that can really... You know, deliver the the lines well. Oh yeah, it's it's fun. 
again, wish there was more. Um, there are comics if, if the show and the movie aren't enough. Um, one of the things I did notice while we were watching the show was how some of the, uh, the Firefly cargo crates in one or two cases were based on like a specific episode. Mm. How we'd gotten the one that had Jane's shirt and a few other things. It's like, oh, that kind of ties into to this move, uh, this episode or whatever. Yeah, it's funny because uh, Blue Sun was on, I guess, the bottle they were drinking out of at one point. And Blue Sun had been the shirt he was wearing when she slashed him. For some reason, I was thinking it was going to turn out that Blue Sun made the Fruity Odie bar. And that was why she had slashed at the Blue Sun logo. Oh, they never really dive deep into to that aspect and what had set her off a few times. I think there were some fan theories on some stuff. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, not everything's going to tie together and get tied up neat. And I get that. It was just, I I think I was expecting a few more things had gotten tied up than were. Yeah. Well, and there were a few things that came out in the movie that maybe should have been clearer in the show. Like Earth it was, the migration to this, how they terraformed all the planets and stuff like that. Yeah, there's an aspect at the very beginning of the movie that say, okay... Here are the things that people feel we should have answered in the show, so we're just going to give you a data dump. But to me, while that was very clear exposition, and I'm usually not a fan of that, it's a decent on-ramp to get people back into the world or into it if they haven't seen it. Yeah, and I think it worked well. Because I think our friend who hadn't seen the show came out of this movie thinking, yeah, it was good. He understood it, but he didn't have a deep connection to the characters. Yeah. So when one or two of these, you know peripheral characters die and people are like oh my god you know kind of a thing he's like why yeah he didn't understand like with book and when you consider book is only in what four scenes yeah i can get why to him that wasn't a big loss whereas we had 12 episodes of love for that character well and for all he knew in the show this is a guy who'd shown up twice yeah you know he was the equivalent of perhaps badger or niska or uh yeah or uh saffron um, but definitely a uh, fun film, uh, good, I don't want to say resolution, but good close to the, the series and whatnot. This is one where I think there was a lot more potential uh, in terms of future story and stuff like that. It's There are some shows where I think there are a lot of potential of what could have and should have been on screen. Mm. This I wanted more of, but I didn't feel it was ever lacking in terms of characterization, delivery, uh, set design, wardrobe. It, they... They had a very clear vision. It seemed like everybody was working on the same page in the same direction, mm-hmm. having a good time doing it, and it, it came across on screen. Well, I think its social relevance aspect is timeless in terms of, like, as far back as I can remember, people have discussed, should we or should we not be putting fluoride into the water supply? Does that or does that not help people's teeth, et cetera, et cetera. And that's kind of the relevant issue of this. Should we be tampering with what we're giving to people? I think, I mean, I see where you're going and I, I see the, the comparison, but fluoride in the water to, to help have healthier teeth versus let's pacify the, the citizenry so they're easier to control. Their goal was to make humanity better. It's the same goal with fluoride. Taken to an extreme, admittedly. But that's why, that's what a lot of plots do, though. 
No, and I get that. I get that. If they had just set up Miranda as having had a really crazy, out-of-control crime and violence problem, then I would buy that argument a little bit more than, for all we knew, this was just your average run-of-the-mill planet that they were tinkering with because they were power-hungry. So you can, you can read either motive into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was some clear exposition as to, here's what happened, let's give the data dumps, so, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of a thing. But that comes from, you've got a two-hour movie, you've got to reset up nine characters, get a, a, enough backstory around a couple of them to motivate the basic plot, introduce another character, and, oh, let's try to tie off a few story elements from the show. What? It's a lot to do. I mean, they used having Jane bicker with Mal, and bicker being the understatement of the year, but they used that well to set up Zoe and Mal and the Serenity Valley fiasco. How many people actually survived fighting in Serenity Valley with well, you? Well, and to, to raise the stakes. Yeah. I think they used it well, but there was... To me, it was fun when, when well, do you want to run the ship? And he's like, well, yes, I do. And Mal's like, I don't know what to say to that. Yes. I misplayed this. Yes. Again, that shows the... Kirk never would have done that, kind of. You know what I mean? Actually, what I was thinking was the response is, then you should go to the last ship. Yes, because he does run that ship on, yeah. <laughs> well, again, it goes to how many of these actors have gone on and done a number of other things since. It's a talented group. Yeah. But having Jane then just kind of, you know, what happened to all the rest, and Zoe's like, well, you should leave this room. And he does. Yeah. And not with a look of, okay, maybe I've crossed a line. He knew he was crossing the line before he said it. Yeah. Again, there was some changes to that character between the show and the movie that were illustrated but unclear. Mm -hmm. And same actions could be read in multiple ways. Yeah. But uh, again, Adam Baldwin, terrific actor both on this, Chuck, The Last Ship, uh, other stuff he's done. And just such a different character on, on each of those shows. Yeah. Definite range and stuff. So again, uh, anyone who hasn't watched Firefly and Serenity, uh, do so. Uh, I don't think we could do justice to how fun the show is and the movie. Uh, and the movie just, it really cranked up to a couple of notches. The effects, the visuals, the sets, the costuming. Yeah. Um, and, and the actors completely stepped up to the plate and gave it their all. I yeah. think they were happy to come back for that. Yeah, I agree. And seemed to enjoy it. Because, again, the panel we saw with them at San Diego was while they were filming this. Yeah, that was really cool. And they seemed to be having a ball. Anything else? We good? I think that does it. Cool. The show notes and forum for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.